0: Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's great to have you with us. This, of course, is the Discipleship Podcast of uh, Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, and is brought to you. Man, I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start it over. Oh, uh, <laughs> that'll be the intro. Said <laughs> <Instead>, prodcast. A <laughs> uh, wow, It's A
1: podcast. <laughs> That's a first time, though. That's not bad. Nine uh, in. Seriously.
2: <laughs> Yes. Starting to sound like me, Spencer. <laughs> the way we order our
1: service and have specific times of prayer, I think, are are important. Now, the danger that happens is you ask so-and-so to come up and pray, and all of a sudden they're giving God adoration, they're seeking forgiveness, they're doing it all again, and it's like, yeah. no, this prayer right. we've designed specifically Right? Or we yeah. think scripture has designed us to, yeah. to do this now. And this is a point of the service. So just focus on, on this time, right? Um, yeah. And so I think that's ways that we have tried to model
0: yeah. those prayers. Welcome, this is Pastors of the Roundtable. This is our discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, and it's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Thank you for joining us. Our goal together every week is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Um, as, we, as we dive into uh, this episode today, we're going to talk about um, how to pray, talk about more of the practical side of public prayer. Before we get to that, I want to um, let you know that we would like to do an upcoming Q&A episode. And so um, we would like to take your questions, if you have any for us, maybe, maybe you don't, maybe we've explained everything so well. Um, but uh, maybe if it's about uh, anything we've talked about or maybe something we haven't talked about um, we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or anything you'd like to hear us um, discuss um, on the podcast you can send those questions to my email spencer snow at s at mmbconline.org I will check it I have the app on my phone so that whenever you send an email it will come straight to me so, straight
2: um, to a spam folder.
0: <laughs>
1: that's, <laughs> that's pretty interesting cuz how often do we say we emailed you? Oh, I never got
2: it. Or I not read it. No. I only do the important ones. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> makes me think <laughs> makes me think, "Yeah, Scott, I read it, but I chose to ignore it." <laughs> oh. So,
0: uh, please do that. We would love to uh, to hear your questions or you can just talk to Scott and he'll he'll get the questions eventually to the rest of us as well. He's yep. he's always available. So, um, uh, last episode, we began talking about prayer in public worship. We've been doing a series on worship, particularly public worship as a church when we get together, um, you know, like Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And we talked about prayer, what it is, um, what public prayer is, why it's important, all those kinds of things. Uh, this episode, however, we want to chat about how should we pray. um especially when we think about how we should pray as a church, kind of what does that look like practically? Um, How can we do this? And so that's what we want to focus today. Uh, Joining me around the roundtable is Tim Icoangeli, lead pastor of MMBC, Uh, Scott Slater, family pastor here at MMBC, Matt Bates, music and media pastor here, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. And so, yeah, let's dive into the topic today, guys. Um, We want to talk about, first of all, how we approach public prayer. How do we get to it? Now, right away, I want to give a little caveat, because we're going to be focusing on public prayer today in the church, but whenever we're talking about that and focusing upon that, we don't want to make anybody think that we're neglecting private prayer or saying it's unimportant. Private prayer and prayer with your family is vital, and it's very important. We don't want to say those things are unimportant, but we're focusing on public worship and uh, particularly, you know, first day of the week worship. And so what we're going to say is is focused on public worship and public prayer, but much of the same principles are going to apply to your private life and to your family life. Um, so you can glean from that. But just know that's, that's our focus, um, but it doesn't denigrate or take away from anything from the importance of private or family prayer. So as we, um, guys, as we think about focusing upon approaching public prayer, uh, first thing I want to think about is how can we wrongly do this? How can we wrongly approach public prayer?
1: We talked about it yesterday, using it as a transition in your service. Mm -hmm. Just like, well, we need the praise team to come up on stage after this. What's the best way to do that? Well, we could throw out a quick prayer. Right. right. Just right. make sure you pray yeah. long enough for them to get on stage. Everybody's <laughs> eyes are going to be
2: closed. They won't be able to see people scrambling off right. and on the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, I mean, while the prayer time could allow that to happen at points, it does become the drive at times when you're planning a service. It's just think like, we need something here. What can mm. we put in here?
2: Yeah. Let's throw in a prayer. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that we could talk about is. Um, I think we've all known people that have done this, maybe even done it ourselves at times. But uh, we're not really praying, but we're preaching in the prayer, Mm. right? You know, and uh, we're trying to make—we're not really praying. And prayer is supposed to be addressing God, Mm -hmm. not addressing everybody else that's there, right? Right. And so your prayer is not a sermon;
0: it it is a prayer. That's right. So what if I'm coming into the church service? um, You know, I've pulled into the parking lot. I walk in the doors. Um, What should I have done in order to think about, as I get together with the church, what should be on my mind? How can I get in the right frame of mind? What attitude and heart should I have as I'm getting together with the church for worship, but then also as we especially think about uh, public prayer? What should our frame of mind be like when we
2: pray to God? I feel like there are two questions in that. How do you get yourself ready, and then Mm -hmm. what should your mindset be when you pray? Which one do you want me to answer? Both. Well, to get yourself ready, I think, as you're driving to church, you've got to turn on your favorite playlist and just jam all the way there. And that'll get you in the right mindset. Okay. I live right next to church. I don't, but it's a, <laughs> a short playlist.
0: Okay. But you can play, song. play the doxology. Okay. <laughs> um. I think,
1: uh, yeah, I, I think, I think most, I, I would just guess most Christians who come to church regularly, I don't think they think, too much about them preparing for for worship they might think you know the pastors have to prepare for worship the music people got to prepare for worship because they have a part but but we don't have a part right we're just coming to sit and so i don't really have a part in this but that's Mm. not true we all have a part together in this and so your attitude you know where your mind is at as you as you enter into worship is is very important because you know, it shouldn't take 30 minutes of music to finally get you to the point to mm. where you're ready to hear God's word. Yeah. It, hopefully, hopefully, when you come in, you're you're ready, that you've been praying for God to, you know, move in the service or to work into your heart or to be glorified. Like, that stuff needs to come mm. before from each individual person who's going to be here because, yeah, it does join us together. We, we've talked a lot about unity mm. and corporate worship together and... The fact is, is we are not going to be united unless we come in mm. prayed up and prepared and mm. and ready to go in service. You know, if you're not praying before, you're the person probably who comes in. My seat's taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too cold in here, or it's too hot in here. Right. Uh, this is happening. Why is this going on? You're all
0: frustrated, and right. It's because you didn't come in prepared. And sometimes, right, we're not saying that there's not going to be. We all have those days, right? We fought in the car on the way to church oh, okay. with our spouse yeah. Yeah. or you know, we're angry at our children or we're frustrated mm-hmm. with the person driving in front of us or, or we've had a bad day or we've been up all night or whatever. We, we're, those, are, those things are going to happen when you come to church, and you should still come um, because... We're talking about how it should be, right? not well, how it probably is. Same right. way, I should take a lot of time to prepare
1: sermons each week, right? I should... Yeah do this uh, we're talking about this is but the
2: reality is there's are saturdays yeah you're you're typing away like i gotta
1: get this done
2: ah. yeah, you know, you're, yeah right and that's just i mean that goes that's something that you like you said we're talking about public prayer in the service mm-hmm. but privately yeah preparing something that you should be praying for is recognizing the fact that the day or the hours leading up to the public gathering of people is going to be a time potentially of intense spiritual warfare where Mm. Satan might try to use a blown out diaper on the way to church to derail your ability to hear what is going to be preached, what's going to be prayed, what's going to be sang. you know, and so it's, it's, uh, he's going to do whatever he can to throw you off. And so praying that you would be able to stay focused and prepared for that.
0: And this is kind of just a general principle overall. I think we may have talked about this previously in another podcast, but about how the fact that when you're coming to worship on Sunday morning, that prep begins all throughout the week, but then there's also a special in the sense in which the prep starts Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. If you're staying up till three o'clock in the morning binge-watching on Netflix... You're not going to come probably with the right attitude. You need to to come worship God in the morning. So we want to prepare beforehand, and and our schedules should be changed and should be impacted by getting together with God's God's people. So uh, why do we? Uh, before we we continue on thinking about our approach, one of the things I, I found that was interesting is that there was a Barna study done in 2017. And they found this. They say, What we found gives us a more, much more nuanced portrait of the American prayer life, the most notable aspect of which is its individual quality. So they talked bit about prayer and everything, but they said this. People pray mostly alone. It is a solitary activity defined primarily by the immediate needs and concerns of the individual. Corporate prayer and corporate needs are less compelling drivers in people's prayer lives. It's fascinating because it seems there's a lot of people that are at least saying they pray privately, but they never, like, I shouldn't say never, but that number is much smaller when it comes to corporate prayer. Mm -hmm. Why, whenever we are thinking about coming to to prayer, why do we just like kind of neglect that? We talked about how it's almost like just a buffer, um, and I know this is kind of bleeding over from last episode, but why do we undervalue public prayer and just think of it strictly as a personal private matter instead of a corporate
2: we, us, matter. Well, I'm I'm a little curious about that study because if this person is praying, and maybe I don't know exactly what group they they surveyed, but if they're Christians and they're praying privately, I would assume they are going to church, and they might not even realize that they are actually participating in the prayers of the service that they're going to. So it's not that they are not praying publicly, but uh, maybe they... Like I said, we don't know the study exactly, right. but maybe they were considering like the difference between, you know, do you pray privately at home or do you go to your church's prayer meeting, like this designated gathering for mm-hmm. prayer? I don't know if that makes sense or not, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I would, what I guess my point in saying that is that they might not even realize that they mm-hmm. are supposed to be praying as the person leading the prayer is praying. Right. Yeah joining in that prayer yeah
1: i think the point though that it's getting at is if you were to ask most people i would say even who walk into this building into our church and you wanted to talk to them about prayer they're specifically going to talk about prayer as an individual their own personal prayer that that, that's what the that's what the topic's going to be it Mm -hmm. very rarely is anything going to come up about sunday prayer Mm -hmm. some people might mention wednesday prayer people who attend Mm -hmm. um but Sunday, our time of prayer in our service is, I mean, I think we'd be hard-pressed to have that really come up in a conversation from somebody. I don't know why that is. I mean, I I can think of a lot of reasons of why I think that would be. Um, I mean, we're just very individualistic in our society just in general, so I think that plays into it. Our denomination pushes the individuality, of salvation and your relationship with Christ more so than some other denominations. So like if I were to take, you know, if I was to take someone from our church to a church, that's more liturgical and there's response times in prayer, you know, where the person up front is praying and they, then the whole congregation is responding. Mm -hmm. They would think this is really Mm -hmm. weird. Like this isn't what prayer is. Mm -hmm. That's what they say. This isn't true prayer. This is Mm -hmm. fake, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't watch this movie. Maybe you guys did. You could speak to it more, but like the, the War Room thing. Did you guys watch that? Anybody mm-hmm. watch that? Yeah. You did watch that? It was a while back, but yeah. So you could speak to this more than me, but like, it, I, I think it was about like getting into your closet and, yeah. yep. and praying, and it was all by yourself. It's all now, private prayer. Now, yeah. I have no yep. idea if the movie emphasized public prayer at all or corporate prayer.
2: No, no it emphasized, I think, the um, the heart of sharing prayer requests with other people and okay. praying for other people. And right supporting one another through prayer but not together like the right. emphasis was definitely on pray when you are alone right by yourself Yep.
1: and so it's just it's just what's what's pushed and there's nothing wrong with praying on your own i mean that's what you gave that caveat at the beginning like that's a must it's a it's a need it's something we all should have we have the example of christ right he would yeah, go he off, off by alone. himself right. to pray absolutely
2: right. right yeah i think another thing too just to think about is um that people often like when you're talking about praying publicly together with a group of people if you want to scare somebody call on them to pray in front of a group. Yeah, amen to that. You know, and so uh that's I think people are honest they don't do it because they're just afraid. And right, that's just yeah. very practically wow. that all the attention is going to be on the words that they are saying right mm-hmm. then and there and that just makes people very nervous. And so you think about especially in a church service setting who is it that's doing most of the praying? It's the pastors. It's maybe like your church would call on like a deacon in the congregation to pray yeah. that day. I've been in churches like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually the people who are leaders that have, you know, that don't have that kind of public fear right. of that. And so I think even in, and that fear isn't just consigned to like a, a worship uh, setting of like mm-hmm. 300 or more people. Like I think, Even people in groups of three, right? They would be nervous to pray out loud, right? uh, Because they just, right? They're just nervous. And I think, (laughs) like,
0: uh, yeah, I don't. And I think um, there's a balance there, right? Because on the one hand, we want to encourage them that it, you know, to not uh, be afraid, but on the other hand, we don't want them to feel like uh, um, we don't want to make too much of the fact that you have to, you know. you're not less spiritual if you don't like praying in public, right? You're, um, and I think that. Does the Bible you know. require us to pray
1: in public as individual believers? Or is it. <clears throat> he requires the church to pray right. publicly, right? Thus, it would fall on the shoulders of the leaders of the church to do that's that. That's right. That's right. Right? That's what I mean. I think, that's yeah. that's yeah. where I would tend right. to go with
3: that.
0: Right. Right. I think, yeah, the Bible well, you seems. See that,
3: to, you see that in Acts 6. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Praying of the Word and the minister. Er, no, praying mm-hmm. and the ministry of the Word.
0: Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and, and I think 1 Timothy 2 mm-hmm. also is highlighting the fact that when he's saying, I want the men to pray, um, and talks about women being in subjection to men, what he's saying there, he's not saying that all women are to be in subjection to all men everywhere in the church or out in society. He's talking about the office bearers, right? the pastors mm-hmm. of the church, the people that everybody has called upon and voted upon and mm-hmm. said, Those are the people who we've called to teach the word and to lead our public worship services. Um, I mean, I can't think of,
1: maybe we'll talk about this later, but like when Scott was talking about uh, having people pray and stuff, I mean, some of the worst moments of my life were like in this building, maybe even in this room that we are in right now, where the Sunday school teacher would say, all right, guys, stand up and join hands in a Mm -hmm. circle. First of all, my hands sweat constantly. Were you, were
2: you next to a cute girl
1: hold my, her hand. Probably next to my wife now, to be honest. Oh, with so me. you were then, right? No, but I don't want to hold hands because my hands sweat. And then it would say, We'll go around the room and do popcorn <laughs> prayers, or we're gonna go around the room and everybody give a give a one-sentence line, prayer. you know? And and so all you're doing the whole time is freaking out about what am I gonna say? And it's almost my turn, and the person next to me just said what I was exactly. gonna say. Come on, you know, and you're like, oh, and I don't know if that's a good way to teach public prayer. Like I, right? So I have never done that personally, right? Um, just because I know how uncomfortable that can be for right. people. But it almost, I think it's a wrong form of public prayer. Like yeah. you're
0: forcing people into these really right. awkward situations. Yeah. You're you're called to pray in private um, to to your God, and then you know we think about the people who are leading in the home, especially have a responsibility to oversee that their family is engaged in prayer. But then when it comes to corporate church prayer, the only people who are required to lead the church in prayer really are the pastors
2: Mm -hmm. um, or office bearers. Um, Well, you think about it. So I just want to dive into that a little bit more because every person in a sense should be comfortable praying publicly, but that doesn't mean the public setting for all of them is going to be the same. So the pastor would be praying with the rest of the church even though there's all men that are in the congregation that might not be comfortable praying there in the congregation, they should be comfortable praying in front of their family at home. Right. That's in. So I think people think that's not alone at least. Right. 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 And same time moms should feel comfortable praying with their children. Right. You know, or maybe more comfortable, but
0: like they should feel like they should do it. Yeah. Right. You may still feel uncomfortable, I guess.
2: Yes, but that's my point. Right. Is that like it's you're not
0: uh yeah, there's not a sense com- in yeah. which
2: people like you should be willing to do yeah, this. Some yeah. people I think right, like right. some uh, I would think a lot of men are not comfortable praying in front of their family, so they don't. Mm. So just because you're not comfortable doing it doesn't mean right. that you're not responsible for right. doing good, it. And that's good. what I that's what good. I wanna uh, yeah. Fight against here is like sure. like in what we're what we're saying yeah. right now. Somebody could take that to mean, oh, if you're not comfortable doing it, that's okay because right. it's not your job. No. Well, actually, you do have your your role mm-hmm. in your circle somewhere right. to pray in front of another person. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to pray in front of a hundred person church. Right. Right. I would even say like. It's not your responsibility to
1: pray in Sunday school class out loud. Yeah, right. You know, you don't need to feel right. that weight, that guilt. Right. But yes, yeah. absolutely, what yeah. you're saying like if you are married with your wife, with your kids, like yes, you, you, sh- you should be doing that, even if you don't feel don't feel comfortable. I just mm-hmm. don't. I, I do think churches have put a weight on people at times yeah. to be like you should be comfortable sharing your heart with everybody here and praying <laughs> in front of everybody. And, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ideally we are to be there for each other and be able to share our sins and our burdens. And we want to be able to do that, but that doesn't mean everybody has to get up and lead a
0: prayer. And oftentimes that happens just organically and naturally. And whenever we force people to do that, it's not actually happening. Yeah. Right. We're just requiring people and hammering people. um, And that oftentimes is not productive. Yeah. So as we think about approaching prayer again, the the frame of mind, I'm going to quote again, Um, the Westminster Larger Catechism has a great, they they say, how should we pray or something like that? And this is a long answer, but I think it's, as usual, it covers the basis in a lot of ways. It says, we are to pray with an awful apprehension of the majesty of God and deep sense of our own unworthiness, necessities, and sins, with penitent, thankful, and enlarged hearts, with understanding, faith, sincerity, fervency, love, and perseverance, waiting upon him, with humble submission to His will. I mean, right away, one of the things that hits me is the fact that, it, which is something that is missing so much of the time in in our our churches uh, across our country today, is right away with an awful apprehension of the majesty of God. And by that they mean you're really impressed with the greatness of God. Yeah, yeah
1: the hallowed be Thy name.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. right away. Um, it's not like you know just sheer dread. It's Wow, mm-hmm. God is God is great. Um, any other thoughts on that? One of the things that jumps out to me is like
1: the fervency and stuff, and just thinking about Christ going and praying all night and this stuff. That's not. That wasn't Jesus saying, you know, this is something I, I need to do. So I'm going to set time aside to pray. I think it's it was a yearning from His heart to speak to the Father, where it was like,
0: hmm.
1: I have to, I have to do this. I have to go and do this. It kind of makes me think of fasting in a way. Um, I've done a study on fasting, the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and most of the books that you see out there really are pretty trashy mm. on fasting. You could you, know, you can lose weight, you can do this. Um, from what I've gathered from Scripture, when it comes to fasting, is it's it's kind of like if you've ever if you've ever been in a situation where you were so worried or so anxious about something, or you were so focused on something that you weren't hungry, right? You're just like. Man, I just skipped lunch because I was just so focused on this or whatever. That that's kind of the thing of fasting is, yeah. God, this is on my heart so much that I have to come to you mm-hmm. with this. And right. I, mm-hmm. it, it, but so often again, fasting's been taught a little different. But yeah. um, I think prayer just should be that in general, like this this drawing to God, the fervent. I see that word fervent there, mm-hmm. just the. Fervently wanting to go to Him, I need to go to Him, and and just being honest, that's that's probably what lacks in my life a lot with my prayer life. It's like, why don't I pray more? Because I'm not fervently really mm. wanting it. Which then, well, what's wrong there? Well, I need to grow closer to Him and stuff, and and prayer mm. um, that jumped out at me as mm. I as you read that. Just like this, I can't help but pray mm. almost attitude. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the verses that I, I've, you know, that you see there is, um, Ecclesiastes five one. Guard your steps when you come to the house of God, and then He says, "Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few." And then uh, the phrase from Abraham whenever he's speaking to God and he's asking for God's mercy upon Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. right? For, or for upon Lot, right? And he says, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. It also kind of reminds me of Job's phrase, right? Um, At the end, whenever he's confronted with God, um, he repents in dust and ashes. Um, When we first approach God, we do so, we draw near confidently, lovingly, uh, knowing that he is gracious and merciful, but also still aware at the same time that he is a consuming fire. And there's that mixture of reverence and love and affection that we have towards Him. Um, and and our prayer life should be like that. And so when we get together for public prayer, um, just as Israel gathered at the mountain to hear God speak to them and to worship Him, so we're gathering together, and God is just as much present mm-hmm. as He was at that holy mountain then. Uh, he's even more so clearly present to us now when we draw near to pray to him and uh, to to uh, call upon him and 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 i think one of the reasons why we don't pray and maybe this is all of us to some extent probably is the fact that we don't think we need yeah we're not aware of our dependence upon him right and if but if we came to god aware of his awesome majesty and splendor and glory and beauty and aware of our dep- our need and our unworthiness mm-hmm. Well, we would ask a lot more if we really recognized his provision and our need and our dependence upon him. Perhaps we don't come to worship uh, as um, as we think we sh- as we really should. We should come to worship in some ways as beggars, mm-hmm. ready right? because we 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 offer God. We tell Him He's great and we thank Him for His for His goodness to us. But we also come with empty hands because we have nothing to give Him of our own. Right. Mm-hmm. Except um, our sin. Except our sin. put us in,
3: the, this, in this place. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then we come to give him all the praise back, um, all those things. So we, we come to God with, with those things, with repentance, with love, affection, all those that mixture of, of feelings and emotions um, with mindset, attitude, um, and everything like that. Any more before we continue on?
2: Before we keep going? Yeah, I mean, I just think in that, and I know that um, this is going to be jumping ahead a little bit because we're going to get to probably more specifics and practicals of of praying, but just wrapped up in that idea of how should we approach prayer, uh, just in that statement, it's like, we are to pray with an awful apprehension of the majesty of God, deep sense of our own unworthiness. In a, a book called Prayer by John Onwachequa, uh, that Nine Marks put out, he said this, uh, you know, we've maybe heard of the, uh, the, uh, is it called an acronym? Mm-hmm. Acts? Like A-C-T-S, you know, and the first part of that is adoration. Mm-hmm. C, confession. T, thankful, or thanksgiving. thanksgiving yeah. And then S is supplication. But what he says in talking about confession and adoration, the way those two are connected, he says, if we do adoration right, like if you rightly comprehend who God is. It says if we do adoration right, then confession becomes the reflex of our souls. Mm-hmm. Confessing who you know, if you're adoring God for being holy, mm-hmm. what is what is the reflex of your soul that's mm-hmm. accurately seen that? Mm-hmm. that so realize, I am unholy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You know, I am in the presence of this God. He's holy. I see that I'm not, and that's exactly the reflex that we see of people Mm -hmm. in Scripture over and over and over again. Well, then, what's the reflex of of after confessing then? Well, properly understanding the gospel is that you can be forgiven, that God has offered Mm -hmm. forgiveness. So, what does that lead to? Thankfulness, Thankfulness. mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. And if you know that God is such a great God as being holy, but you are sinful, yet He's forgiven you, that creates thankfulness. Well, then, knowing that God is your Father, as you've talked about a lot, Spencer uh, we approach God as our father. What does that lead us to do Mm -hmm. supplication to ask him for things? Because we know he is our loving father. That's forgiven us for our sin, despite Mm -hmm. his holiness, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just like, those are not just random parts of prayer, but all of it starts with properly adoring who God Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Prayers are response. Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: uh, we always say our worship overall is a response to God. Um, and, uh, but prayer is, is, is a response. It's God speaks to us. That's one of the reasons why, you know, we open up with scripture in our service and then we pray because God is the one who has to call us to worship right. Him and yeah. then we respond back yeah. in worship. He summons us, invites us, and we respond. Ima- imagine, play, play this little
1: game with me, if you would. Imagine you are declared the high priest of Israel. And the Day of Atonement comes to when you have to enter the Holy of Holies. And so you're looking at what needs to be done to enter the Holy of Holies. And you see that there are bathings that you have to do, there are cleansings that you have to participate in, there are sacrifices that you have to do, just simply Mm -hmm. for you yourself as the individual to go into that room, Mm. to be able to get past that curtain and to go into that room. And so, again, imagine... You go through all of this. You do the bathing. You do the cleansings. You do the sacrifices. You're entering that curtain, and they tie a rope around your waist, and there's bells on the bottom of your your outfit. And you know that the reason they're tying the rope around your waist and the reason that there are bells on your outfit is because when you cross past that curtain and get into the Holy of Holies, if you have not done it correctly... The bells will stop ringing, and they're going to use that rope to drag your dead body mm-hmm. out right. because you were not worthy right. to right. walk into the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. That is what we face when we pray. Right. Mm. The Bible tells us we are entering the Holy of Holies. And so for us as Christians, first of all, for the non-Christian to even think for a second mm-hmm. that they are allowed to do that is completely ignorant and wrong. Yeah. Right. Now, they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. But they cannot do that. Mm-hmm. But then for us as Christians who have an understanding that the only reason we get to cross that threshold is because Christ has torn it in two. Right. That's why it's so important on the cross that we have that reference, I believe in Matthew, of where that curtain was ripped. Not from mm-hmm. the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. God's right. saying, I have now made a way right. for you to enter the Holy of Holies, and it's only through Christ. Yeah. When you think about just the severity of that, how how... I can't imagine being that high priest. Like, if, if it came down and they're like, all right, we're picking between two people, Tim, you might be the high priest, or Spencer might be the high priest. I think I, I would have said, yeah, it should be Spencer. Because I, <laughs> I do not want that day.
0: Hey, I don't like blood and guts, though. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're the hunter. So,
1: <laughs> But I tell like all the pomp, you know, all of the prestige of being the high priest, like yeah. the fear that just... Yeah. I can't imagine having to face that. Right, And because of Christ, we... We get to enter boldly. But imagine then being that high priest. I'm sorry this is taking long. That's good. But imagine being that high priest, and you go in, and the sacrifice is accepted. And you get to make the sacrifice for all of Israel, right? And you get to walk Mm. out. Uh, So you just went from (laughs) confession, adoration of God... Right. to thankfulness that right. you are not dead, right. and now you get to plead on behalf of Israel. Right. For their right. sin. I mean, right. all of that is entailed, mm-hmm. even in the Old Testament Beautiful. that we see. And just imagining trying to be that person mm. to go in there is astonishing, mm-hmm. and to think that because of Christ, we all get to enter that Holy mm-hmm. of Holies, mm-hmm. and we have the ear of the Father. Mm.
0: Yep. It should change the way we approach prayer. I mean, that is the yeah. heart that we should have in our prayer life. That's great. It makes me think too of um you know almost over the sanctuary doors, I don't want to take away from the fact of the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ and the blood that covers us, but we should also put me it's almost like you should put a warning caution. you're about ready to enter. you know, you're about ready to meet God <laughs> yeah. through the Word and by His spirit, you're about ready to meet God. you better put the, have the blood over you you better have the blood on you because you better have the priest there because Jesus Christ because if not you will be consumed right and and uh i just think that we don't approach worship with that sense that god is that present with us i remember remember in numbers there's a time whenever israel's rebelled over and over and over and over and they've experienced god's wrath and eventually they say who can live with this fire yeah yeah how and it's like, it was almost at that point that they finally started getting a little wise in numbers mm-hmm. after they had rebelled so many times and eventually God's fire keeps breaking out. You know, it's just everything. <sighs> How in the world can we live with this consuming fire?
1: Let me let me read this. Maybe maybe this is what needs to be plastered at at our at our doors. Maybe this is what you open to. But Hebrews chapter I doubt 10. it. <laughs> mm. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. I'll read through 25. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we quote that verse all the time about assembling together. Let us not forsake the assembling of Mm -hmm. us together. Why can we do that? Why are we being said to do that? Right. Because Christ has allowed us to enter the Holy of Holies. And so when we gather together... We are entering the holies of holies together, and so when we pray publicly together, right. we are approaching the throne of God right. together, and wow. doing that. And we can only do that because of Christ. Right. And so it's not—it's not. We should not walk into these doors with an attitude of "ho hum." This is just another thing that we are right. doing. Later, right. we're going to get lunch.
0: Right? Yeah, it's no, a bigger deal than right. that. No, we don't approach worship and say, "Boy, I wonder how the preaching is going to be. I wonder what songs we're going to sing. I hope everything's good today." Yeah, we and, come that, and we say, you know what? I am unworthy. I'm dust and ashes and I'm about ready to approach God. I thank you for Christ. Yeah, and thank I'm you not, for the blessing. Listen, I'm not <laughs> right. perfect. I am not perfect at all. I, I right. fail
1: in this stuff all the time. Please don't get me wrong when I say this. But this is why it's so heartbreaking as pastors to have people come up later and say, Why do we sing so much? Why why was the sermon that long? Why is it so cold in here? You know, why why this? Why is this happening? And listen critiquing you can learn stuff through critiques i'm not i'm not saying that but i'm just saying it's like really right that's what you got we just approached the throne of god and we've tried to do that the best way possible and to you it wasn't worthy because of this song right or because of this it's like really i think what comes in our hearts when we hear that is like we want to say you need to grow up I I know that's harsh and it's rude, and we never say that because that's not the loving thing to do. But I guess in a way of love, right now through the podcast to the ten people who are going to (laughs) listen, grow up, right? Right. And 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 same for myself too, right? I get down that sermon stunk, I didn't do a good job. Gosh, that was such a failure. What I need to tell myself is, Tim, you need to grow up. You need to grow up, right? God will use it. Were you trying? You know, there's all kinds
0: of questions Mm -hmm. in there that should be asked, but. You know what I'm getting yeah, at? I also like, need to repent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know d- remember that um yeah, we just yeah the the whole way in which we approach worship if we really remember that God is present. And the great uh, amazing thing remember is it um I know we're getting off topic and I'm going to move on quickly, but um there's that that wonderful prayer forget if it's in response to Samson's birth or whatever, They're, they experience an amazing thing from God, and the, the shock is we're still living. <laughs> we're still alive. Yeah. And I think if we approach to worship and remember that every time we come to worship and because we're believers, we're clothed in the blood of Christ, we get to come to worship and we still get to live. Mm-hmm. That would change the way we we, we worship God. I just remember... Um, remember God's holiness and his grace yeah is his law and his gospel mm-hmm. and and whenever that book is opened and the scriptures read and the prayers are prayed they may not externally be the most beautiful and every sermon mm-hmm. is not going to be the the number one sermon of all time that you're going to hear from any of us mm-hmm. but as long as the words preached faithfully and the songs are according to the word of God, God's here
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and receive it with joy and, and trembling. Yeah, and as long as we're yeah. praying, right, seeking His face right. together. He's here. He's here, and, and He's, he's doing us. stuff. Yeah. He's doing stuff to us. So that's, that's that's wonderful. I love this conversation. That's how we, we come to God with grateful awe, love, adoration, affection, um, and worship. So as we, as we then think about now, okay, so we're in church, and we're getting ready to pray. We're getting ready to pray publicly. First of all, I want to talk about something that Maybe seems really unnecessary to talk about, but does posture matter? Does it matter in prayer whether we stand, kneel, sit, or whether we're laying down before God? Does it matter whether our eyes are open or closed, whether our hands are folded or not? Does physical posture matter in prayer at all? No. No.
1: But now uh, Spencer's going to tell us historically why that's wrong. <laughs> well, well no. you see, like,
3: in, all throughout scripture, people pray in different ways. Uh, so you see, you know, bending, kneeling, mm-hmm. uh, and then even standing, raising their, their right. hands sure. to the Lord. So I, I don't think the physical, uh, how you are doing it, whether you're, you're sitting, you're standing, you're kneeling, you're, I guess, laying right. straight on the floor. Sure, uh, They even do that in scripture right. as well. I don't think that really matters. I think when it gets down to it, it's the, the heart.
2: Mm. If that's the case, then what do you make of passages like this? So I'm just playing a little bit of devil's advocate, I guess. Uh, of First Timothy chapter two, verse eight, when he says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. What do you, like he says, lift holy hands. Like, is that addressing a posture of prayer?
1: I mean, I think it could be. There's a lot to that that you would have to. It also says, you know, head coverings with women. I mean, we can get into all that stuff. I think all that mm-hmm. stuff plays a factor in into that. Um, yeah, you also so, like
2: references. Men should not have their head covered when they pray.
1: Right. Right. So that's why you know, take off your hat. Like
2: people say yeah, that. That's a posture. Right. Yeah, you've took that to an extreme. You don't even have hair. That's what I was saying. I know, man. God is biblical, man. He's biblical. God in his his providence is slowly sanctifying you, Tim. That's why. You won't be there. You know, I was was listening
0: to another podcast with some bald men on it, and they pointed out about Elisha. (laughs) Remember whenever he was called baldy, and he said, he basically told the bears to kill him. So uh, (laughs) don't make fun of bald people because bears will kill you. That's what I think that passage says.
1: Um, 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 But no, I think. I think we could go to other places though in Scripture, like Matt was saying, where you do see I, in the Garden. Did Jesus raise his hands when he was praying to the Father? We don't have reference to that. Um, you I think know, it says that he knelt. I think it says he knelt actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have other places in Scripture where we just we just see examples of prayer that were appropriate prayer, um, even even public prayers mm-hmm. where it doesn't reference necessarily that everybody had their hands up. And so you can't look at that verse and say this must mean we always have our hands up when we pray because the rest of Scripture doesn't say mm-hmm. that, and Scripture doesn't right. contradict itself. So, so what is it talking about? What does it? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. I guess that's right. something we
0: can discuss now. If, if right if no, I to. I think there is kind of that principle of uh, is it in Joel, rip your you know your hearts, tear your hearts, not your garments. Mm-hmm. So there could be a physical manifestation of that. Um, maybe sometimes uh, I mean particularly in private, you may fall on your face prostrate before god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. i don 't think that that 's necessarily conducive to public worship right um but that 's um that 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 I'm just saying that could take a physical manifestation but the yeah. key is the heart that's the essential thing
1: like we've seen it in the old testament right they find the word of god they read the word of god aloud and it it says people fall i mean they right. they fall before the word right. of god and right. so there was like this repentance thing yeah. i think taking place there where you see that happening in a public in a public way mm-hmm. so could that happen sure right. i think absolutely that could even happen in right. a in a service where we respond to God's word, or or individuals within our congregation mm-hmm. are responding to God's word, and and they do something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right, Spencer, about the the heart of the matter and what you're doing becomes very becomes very
2: important. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like so, like you said, Tim, you're absolutely right. That passage has a lot to it mm-hmm. to take into account, but. Like, if you read that verse, i would just read it again. It says that I desire then that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Then he goes on to say, likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, or gold, or pearls. He goes on and on and on. If you get from that passage, and the main thing you get from that is that you should lift your hands when hmm. you pray, you've missed the point. Right. Yeah. Right. What does he say you should lift? Not just your hands, holy hands. Right. Yeah, Without right. anger or quarreling, right. he's talking more about the state of your heart right. when you come to prayer right. than in the lifting of your hands right. when you pray. I think, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. in that passage, like that, somebody could, I think, come to that and say, "Well, this says that your posture should be like this." Yeah. Well, actually, that that says something more about the posture of your heart mm-hmm. than it does about mm-hmm. the posture. I was of your watching hands. a
1: conference or something. I don't, I don't remember what it was. Two men who are pretty respected. If I said their names, you guys would all know who they are. In they prayed, and I I don't know if they referenced this passage or not, but they they decided they were going to pray with their hand raised, and they prayed for a really long time, but then they decided they would keep their hand raised the rest of the conference time. And so it was really awkward to me. They were sitting at a table kind of similar to this. They were having a discussion with their hand raised the whole time. I mean, and it was like an hour and 45 minutes, you know, and then finally, I think one of them got tired, and so they came up with some excuse why they could now lower their hand, or for whatever the reason being, but to me, I remember, and again, these were men that were respected, thinking, that just seems odd. Like, goofy. yeah, why are you doing this? I think you're taking some scripture and kind of twisting it a little bit here. Um,
2: but was I Is it like think, an illustration they were doing? I don't
1: think so. No, I, don't. I think their heart in the matter was very pure. Like, they really wanted to approach God the right way and um, some different things. But I just think they took it too far. And so we have to be careful. I bring that up. We do have to be careful about taking our posture too far because you can take, it, you oh, can take it too far, but I think there are some very practical things. So, like, I think we were talking about this before. Um, I remember as a kid, numerous times, uh, Pastor Damon would say, All right, everybody, bow your head and close your eyes. And we'd still be sitting, and my head would hit the pew in front, right? And get nice and comfortable. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I would reach this point where I'm like, <laughs> Well, no, even worse, where I'm thinking, I think I fell asleep. Is everybody else still praying? (laughs) What is going on? And everyone's like, wow, Tim (laughs) is deep. (laughs) That young boy up there is repenting so hard (laughs) right now. Wow, it's beautiful. So in saying that, that was probably a bad posture to take in prayer because it led me to sleep, right? right? And so maybe standing would be better, maybe not putting my head on the pew you know, maybe right. not closing
2: your eyes right. if you're dead
1: tired all the time mm-hmm. Right uh, when you pray. I think some posture can come into play just yeah. practically in that right. sense. Yeah, no,
2: yeah. Is it, you're exactly right. Like the, the practical nature of your posture, I think, is something to take into account. I mean, just for me personally, it's a lot easier to stay focused on what I'm praying on if I do close my eyes. Mm-hmm. Because if my eyes are not closed, oh, I can see that my phone just lit up with a notification. Mm-hmm. What did it say? oh, look, a squirrel is running in the backyard. Or um, like even for me, like sometimes I'll try to go on prayer walks in my neighborhood and I it's really hard to stay focused because I'm looking around and seeing all the houses and things that are going on, other people walking. And so sitting in one spot, closing your eyes, and uh, even pr- this is again practically talking out loud. Mm-hmm. It's not your posture, but talking yeah. out loud. Yeah. I have an easier time staying focused in prayer, talking out loud, than I do talking in my head. Mm-hmm.
0: I th- it's interesting this posture discussion because um, um, I was I was doing some research on it, and there was one old writer from the past who, who talked about how um, at least Presbyterians in the past and the New England and the New England Puritans, it seems as well they they stood for public prayer.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think there is something. I always grew up, you know, with the uh, um, sitting in the, in the the pew and praying, and I think one of the things that it can promote, and the writer actually was pointing this out long ago, long ago is that it can promote drowsiness Un- unintentionally. It doesn't mean that it's yeah. more spiritual either way, but it does mean that I think... Psychologically,
3: I'm, it's calming.
0: Well, and I think also that we sometimes forget um, that we are body and soul, mm-hmm. and that includes prayer, that includes worship, and so um, standing um, at least historically, um, there was the I looked this up the first Council of Nicaea. Okay, so you, some you guys can tune this out, but anybody Come who wants on. to listen, this what out. What year was that? Three twenty-five. <laughs> so they, they 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 got together, but then they they made a a canon, a law, and they said that you needed to stand to pray, which is interesting. Um, that they even? why'd they, I mean, okay. So on one hand, we could say I probably shouldn't have made a, a church rule about that. Right. On the other hand, it's interesting that it was that important to them, mm-hmm. and I think it's something we don't take into consideration maybe enough. Um, whereas maybe in the past it was it was overemphasized and we just didn't think about it. But it is an aspect of our prayer life. Um,
1: I don't. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on this. That's you might know better. But not too long ago, they stood
0: for all of public worship. Right. So. Yeah. Right. Used to, yeah, I mean long ago, right, the, the you know, the um in the past in some cultures, right, the teacher sat and everybody else stood. Right. So it'd be like you preaching to us from the chair. Yeah. And uh the rest of us standing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh which is a, which is an interesting thing. So Scott, how does posture play in our church life? Should I guess on the first of all, let's ask ourselves this. Um should we all utilize the same posture in public worship? Should we be unified in that, or should we let everybody do whatever they want to do? What do you
2: think yeah. well I mean if you think about it, um, you know we just got on talking about how in some traditions they would stand yeah. to pray and uh you know our church we don't really do that uh, usually it's just the one person that's up in front they are standing and praying um, but if you think about it uh, everybody assuming the same posture in prayer like if, if you were to ask okay now please stand with me as we pray together i think the idea of actually standing to pray might communicate to people because what you do with your body will make you think differently uh it will kind of communicate to people oh i am participating hmm. in this prayer and since this this you know our specific conversation is about public prayer um, there might be some utility to that. Right. Uh, I mean, you know it's just we were talking about how posture does affect your ability to pray. Uh posture might affect uh your thinking about this prayer correctly in that I'm not just listening to somebody pray as part of the congregation I am praying.
0: Right. We're all joining in this prayer together to to um to God. I do think in our context there needs
1: to be some some normalcy to our postures together though mm-hmm. i don't think it would be good for us to say okay guys we're getting ready to pray so we'll take your posture of prayer or whatever that is and so you right. got a group in the corner laying down on <laughs> the ground. Yeah. you got a group over here just raising their hands up in the air over here we got this i think i think that would be odd for us yeah right which would make people uncomfortable i think yeah. it would it would just lead to us not right. really focusing on what prayer is right um you're talking if everybody
2: had their own individual posture. Yeah, prayer. yeah. If it was like oh, everybody yeah. taking pressure. So I think I think yeah. in the
1: public worship, it's important. You know, like sometimes Pastor Matt will say at the beginning of service, "Stand with me. I want to lead us in prayer." Mm. And so we all stand uh, for prayer. And there there's some maybe who can't stand. That's okay. Yeah, they sit yeah, down. Sure. Right. Yeah, they're um, clearly the exception. Yeah, to that's the fine. Right. But it, the rest of us, we we stand and we and we pray together. And then there's times during our service, so where everybody's seated. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes when I close us out with prayer, we're all standing, mm-hmm. you know, or, or we're all sitting. Like, like we we kind of ask that, right? Everybody stand, or everybody have a seat, and we're going to pray. But I, I do think we do that purposefully, mm-hmm. whether we're thinking about
2: it or mm-hmm. not. Right. right. You know, just this thought crossed my mind. I mean, think about here we are. I mean, we're pastors talking and having this conversation. I would have to imagine that maybe, like you said, Tim, the Tim people that are going to listen <laughs> to this. uh, I would have to think that the vast majority of people that would come on a Sunday morning are not thinking about like the small details of Mm -hmm. why certain things are the way they are in the Mm -hmm. service. The fact that standing to pray changes their mindset that they are participating in Mm -hmm. this prayer, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like, and so it just goes to show that like some people come and think, oh, we're just doing this because this is how we do it. Like, no, there's actually a lot of meaning Mm -hmm. behind this and why we're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really good.
0: So we've talked about posture, um, all those various things about our body. And, and, and so let's move on now, though, to about the content of our public prayer. Does God give us any guidance for prayer in general?
1: Well, I believe Jesus said to his disciples, and when do you pray? And he gives us a, our, an example, yeah. right? The so, Lord's Prayer um, so we we have that. We have other prayers in Scripture in the Old Testament. We have Paul has some prayers in the New Testament, and so we do have some examples in Scripture okay. that we can uh, use and feed off of. And, right? Yeah. So the
0: um, the the Scriptures in general are an aid and a guide and a direction for prayer, but then right. especially there's the the special, which is historically in the church, we, we've always had a special place for the Lord's Prayer, not thinking that it's required of us to pray those exact words, but it gives us kind of a template mm-hmm. yeah. for and a guide to proper prayer.
1: Yeah, or, I mean, the Book of Psalms is yeah. a lot of prayers, mm-hmm. and actually we're going to be starting a series, I think when this podcast drops, it'll be the next Sunday, uh, a series in Psalms for I think two months, I think is what we have planned to be to be in the Psalms. And so um, a big thing for me personally, again, mm. in my prayer life has been praying the Psalms, taking yeah. the time to do that and what that looks like. It doesn't mean I just open a Psalm, read it and say, God, there's my prayer today. It's actually using scripture to guide my prayer and one of the things that it helps me with is to not be selfish in my prayers to where my prayers are just all about me all the time. But, you know, as I'm reading this Psalm, it it helps me to think of other things that the writer was also dealing with and it spurs my mind into other areas to where the, you know, the next thing I know I'm praying about certain missionaries that maybe I wouldn't have been, but the scripture really brought that to my attention or whatever, whatever the case might be. And so that way, it's really helped me too to, to um, commune with God. Because I mean, let's face it: if I have a, if I'm having a conversation with any of you, you're talking back. I hear you audibly. Okay. When we pray and we speak to God, we don't hear Him talking back audibly. But, but you, you don't? I don't. Maybe no. you do, and yours. <laughs> but when I pray using the Psalms, I kind of do. I mean, I kind of feel like I am. Like I'm hearing yeah. His Word, mm-hmm. and it's really impacting my heart. And so, I think. It needs to be the same as we do public prayer mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. If we're up there trying to lead our people in prayer, it has to be driven by the Word, or else, or else it can just become my individual prayer that right, everybody right. else is in on. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's not what it right. needs to be. Yeah.
2: You know, you think I, uh, a great book uh, that I read just this past year, is by D.A. Carson, Praying with Paul. Hmm. He goes through Paul's prayers in the New Testament. And one of the things I feel like I learned from that, this is relevant just because we're talking about how Scripture informs our prayers, just if you read like the beginnings of Paul's epistles in the New Testament, of seeing how Paul prayed, what he prayed for, for the people that he was writing to, and then I compare that to the way that I normally pray for people, and what I normally pray for people for, like it's vastly different. Like Ephesians chapter 1 when it says in verse 15, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. He's talking about, I pray for you, uh, remembering you in my prayers. What does he pray for? Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and, and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And so like, if I'm praying for somebody, like going to just Paul's prayer there and using that even as a model to pray for people is, I I just, I don't think I could think of that by myself. (laughs) Right. And so it's like, that, that to me makes it so much more concrete of something led in scripture using a model of how to pray for people Mm -hmm. that you love and that you care about yeah and so you
1: know like you've been talking about just as we use scripture to model our prayers you know so even in the lord's prayer which is pretty pretty basic prayer for many of us but you do see what we talked about already that that acronym right of the adoration Mm -hmm. you see confession in there with um, seeking repentance of sin daily Mm -hmm. you're looking for protection you know uh, keep us from evil. Lead me mm-hmm. not to temptation. All these things, our relationship with other people, mm-hmm. right, and helping us to forgive mm-hmm. others. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a very basic thing, but we can use that as a guideline publicly to give God praise and adoration. And you might even have a prayer that that's the specific focus. Like this prayer, yeah. we're going to focus on just praising right. God, yeah. right, in this yep. time, right, and. We're going to have a prayer to intercede for people on behalf of people because we, we see that, the need to pray for other people. We're going to take this time to do this now. Right? Yeah. And, and so the way we order our service and have specific times of prayer, I think, are, are important. Now, the danger that happens is you ask so-and-so to come up and pray, and all of a sudden they're giving God adoration, they're seeking forgiveness, they're doing it all again. And it's like, yeah. no, this prayer right. we've designed specifically – right or we yeah. think scripture has designed us to yeah. to do this now and this is a point of the service so just focus on on this time yep. right um hmm. and so i think that's ways that we have tried to model yeah. those prayers yeah. might not just be one prayer that we do but mm-hmm. multiple mm-hmm. ones modeling that mm-hmm. yeah. different sections of the prayer
2: yeah
0: what um you know normally in our church one of the pastors is leading in prayer normally mm-hmm. um how can A pastor, how can we as a staff, and I guess this is kind of a question for us, but I think it's helpful for um, other people to kind of think with us and and listen in. How can we pray in such a way that we help others to join in in the church service? Because obviously, I think there's similarities between our private prayers and our public prayers, but there's also a difference of purpose, of place. Um, what things can a pastor do to pre- prepare himself for public prayer? Um, should we prepare for public prayer at all? Um, and maybe then, what makes a good public prayer in the worship service of God?
3: So I'll start with throwing something out. Uh, it pertaining to your first question, though, is how can the how can the person leading the prayer encourage others to yeah. know, pray in that yeah. It's just the verb, the verbiage that we use. Like when you're praying privately, it's always I or you're talking to God. Right. So it's always two. So it's always singular. So if we're leading um, a group of people in prayer, I think mm-hmm. we should stick to plurals. Right. Uh, like we, let's. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I don't know how that the english congregation of all those things i don't know (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's good so just be plural right use your plural and yeah just think about the pronouns
0: yeah 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 Yeah. switch that up even that helps draw us all up into it um any other thoughts
1: i don't think people often realize that we do prepare for prayer you know um i know uh, Pastor Scott probably has done the announcement time prayer requests mm-hmm. more so than you have Spencer and so Pretty much most Sundays we connect in some way. What do we need to be praying for today? You know, we look at the bulletins. Is there anything that we need to mention in prayer? Uh, for this and we don't want to take all this time talking about announcements and stuff because we want this to be a time of prayer but then also with the church our size we specifically put certain prayer requests down. Like, we might know of more, but we try to be, you know, as specific as we can with the certain prayer requests that we do mention. So, like, if a family is grieving the loss mm-hmm. of somebody or something, we, we might try to mention that. Um, and, and to be honest, one of the things that throws me off, and I, I try to be very loving, but when church is about to start and people come up and say, hey, I've got this prayer request that I want you to mention. It does make it difficult because maybe you have prepared even what you are going to say and how you are going to address the prayer requests that mm-hmm. you already have, and you have it in order and right. and even in your mind of when you're going to pray, of how I want to pray through these things, and it and it can it can throw you off. I'm not saying people giving us prayer requests are 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 bad necessarily, but it does hurt the preparation that we've already right. that we've mm-hmm. already done, and so it, it can it can. Mm-hmm. it can throw you off um i know with pastor matt when pastor matt was really first starting to be on stage and pray and stuff remember me and him had a conversation about prayer and i was like hey you should write yours out yep i said it, it helped it, a lot yeah i'm like i think maybe yeah. you should write your prayers out because i don't know how quick you are on your feet up there and stuff and mm-hmm. just with personality stuff we, yep. And and so he did he started you know actually writing his prayers out. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Like that can Mm -hmm. be 100% Holy Spirit driven, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. to write, to write a prayer out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think in preparing something we talked about yesterday, we, we haven't done this here too much, but I think it's a good practice. Some churches will specifically pray for like um, different uh, jobs, different employment specifically. So they might say today we're going to focus on, we're going to pray for teachers and we're going to pray for people in the banking industry, right? And so they have a specific time where they pray for that, that God would use that, and each week is something different. But I think that's also helpful for a congregation to encourage them in that too. Yeah, that's good. Pray Mm -hmm. for that together, and then maybe you also think about it during the week, you know, when you're dropping Mm -hmm. your kids off at school, maybe Mm -hmm. you see the teacher a little different. Right. Right. Like, we prayed for you this week. Right, right. Right. (laughs) You you better treat my kid nice. (laughs) 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 But I I do think it it changes... uh, you're my telling. So I think that's a good way to teach and to lead your mm-hmm. congregation and being a part of that. It's a very simple, uh, practical thing. That's
0: easy.
2: Hmm.
0: Samuel Miller, that guy I, I told you about that I read, he wrote that whole book on public prayer. He gives some helpful um, characteristics of a good public prayer. And this is written to really to pastors or people who are thinking about the ministry or something like that. But um, these are really good for all of our prayer lives in a lot of ways. Like one of the first things he says is that our prayers should abound in the language of the Word of God. So our scripture, our prayers should be scripture saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, should yeah. we should utilize the the phrases, the language of Scripture mm-hmm. um, because we want our prayer life to be conformed to God's Word. We want to pray back Scripture. He also says it should be orderly. So we. Um, We should have a real order i think one of the problems that any of us who've especially if we've prayed publicly and and maybe even privately um our prayers can kind of go in a circle and just kind of lose Mm -hmm. their way and he's really trying to make sure that we know that we're we're being orderly because especially as we as we worship publicly we're not simply leading ourselves in prayer we're leading the whole congregation so if we're going to do everything in order in good order first corinthians 14 we want to we want to do it in an orderly way. He talks about it needs to be dignified. Um, uh, we don't need to be too detailed in our topics. Sometimes we can maybe share too much yeah. um, in prayer. That's not necessary publicly. That may be a private yeah. thing. Um, uh, we need to recognize gospel truth. He says um, we need to have variety. I think sometimes we've all we all do this to some extent. Um, we use the same phrases over and over. Yeah. Um, You know, and and we all know people that could do that as well because we we notice other people's sins more than our own. Um, But we all know that we all have those things where we use the same phrases over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, He also warns against preaching and prayer, like you mentioned one time, Pastor Scott. Like, Mm -hmm. um, prayer is not for preaching at people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, oh, this just comes to my mind. Okay. Uh, I've listened to the audio drama of Oliver Twist. Okay. It's really good. It's a, you know, it's, it's Oliver Twist is a novel by Charles Dickens. Oh, okay, and so I heard but it. one time he the, the, there's this bad guy, Mister Bumble, and he's praying. He doesn't like Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist is a little boy, and he's being punished. And Mister Bumble is praying, and he's and he's praying. And he says, "And um, please don't let these kids or something be like that, Oliver Twist." Right, and you can tell he's preaching through prayer. Mm-hmm. He's not <laughs> simply addressing God. He's, yeah. he's doing that. We can do that as preachers too. Um, um uh, I see
1: he says on here I like this uh seasonable yeah. and appropriate to the occasion. Right. That makes it again, that's real practical. Like you know, what what is going and as a pastor yeah. trying to lead in public like what is happening in our congregation right now? What is happening right. in our world, you know, what state so I pastored a church that had uh it was in a very rural area, a lot of farmers, a lot of stuff like that, and so praying for the planting season, praying during Mm. the harvest season, you know, praying for those things became um, real appropriate, right? That maybe we don't, we don't think about all the time. But yeah, really, Mm
0: -hmm. I like that. That's, that's really practical. Or if if you're you're having a baptism. Yeah. Or if you're having the Lord's Supper, or Mm -hmm. if you're, if it's Christmas or Easter mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, Mother's Day, right? Mother's it's day.
1: Mother's Day. It's okay to pray for the moms on
0: Mother's Day, right? It's, it's, <laughs> but only on Mother's Day. Only they Mother's get day. their day. Yeah. yeah, I get their day. <laughs> they only get one. only <laughs> <laughs> get one day. Um, so we need to do it with variety. Um, he goes on and on. It's, it's helpful, I think. Um, just kind of the, the helpful markers that he gives about um, how we can kind of uh, pray better public prayers um, that are edifying to all, all the people, all the people of, of God um, so let's let's ask this question now. So whenever the pastor's praying, he's tried, he's tried to prepare um, ideally for this public prayer. How can I join in prayer and not simply be dozing off as a person in the pew? We talked about posture could play an important part. Even mm-hmm. if you're sitting, maybe sitting even upright. I don't know. Sometimes whenever we lean over, I wonder too if that slouching, has promoted, you know, like the slouching over. Sure. It's not good sure. posture. If it does, it promote drowsiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I
1: don't well, maybe, I
0: mean, I don't know.
1: I think it's the same way. same way you kind of join in with the sermon, like as you preach. You know, there's response, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you can see the response of the congregation as you're as you're preaching. Sometimes it seems to be more than the other, and it, it's hard to explain. I guess fully what that looks like and what that means, but it's just an attentiveness. And so when when you're listening to prayer, I think um, the word amen comes to my mind just mm-hmm. because when we say amen, we mean I'm in agreement to this or this right. is truth, right? right. This right. is truth. I right. believe in this truth. And right. so even uh, I've been standing next to people before and, and someone will be praying on stage and I hear them next to me kind of saying amen. I mean, it's not loud. It's not right. boisterous, but it it's like they are following along mm-hmm. and they are praying along right. with this person. Or just like the hmm yeah, just, you know, and, and I'm not even saying you have to do that. But, I mean, even in your mind, it, to really try to focus along with what the person's saying and to be thinking, do I agree with this prayer, right? Am right. I in line with this prayer? And and hopefully yeah. you are. And so really just thinking through it right. I think is an, an yeah.
2: important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, too, I mean, just depending. Like sometimes uh, if, you, if we sometimes will do this, I know I'll do this sometimes, I'll use an act actually a passage of scripture, like a Psalm or something, I might read it before I would do like the announcement time or something. I will try to use that short yeah. couple verses yeah. to, even as I'm praying about the announcements and the prayer requests that we have, I'll use that. Um, uh, but if there's a more specific time of prayer, open to the same passage, yeah. you know, glance down at it, try to follow yeah. along with yeah. where I'm at in the mm-hmm. passage if I'm, if I'm trying to do that or something or whoever's leading the service yeah. Um but you kinda have to know ahead of time, you know, uh be quick on your feet. Mm-hmm. But that's a that might be part of a helpful thing of using passages of scripture to lead prayer mm-hmm. so that everybody else can have that, follow along
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. with what you're doing. Um that might help. It's mm-hmm. good. So as we
0: wrap this up, you're done praying. What what impression as a pastor, I guess we could say, or um for any of us? what do we hope that that public prayer has had impression upon the people of god as they've left the building and they go home then and live in their jobs and take care of their kids and go home for the rest of the week is there what kind of impact do we want that public prayer to have upon them for the rest of the week
1: i want them to see that first and foremost the audience of my prayer was to god mm. not not to them. Now I understand that I'm doing this publicly. And so it is a congregation and maybe we're even addressing congregational needs and stuff like that. But you said it earlier, it needs to reflect my personal private prayer life as well. Mm. And so again, with fervent, with a fervent attitude that um, it wasn't just words. And so I hope the impact that it has is they say prayer, prayer is real, relationship Mm. right and and when he prayed it it was it seemed it seemed real to him Mm. you know Mm -hmm. um expectant you know true Mm -hmm. and maybe that that would be something that they would try to model or try to Mm -hmm. live towards and again I, i mean i'm i'm the first to confess my prayer life is not where it should be i wish it was so much more robust and i'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that in my life but um I would hope that that would be what what comes out, or as a pastor that there's um pastoral care mm-hmm. within the prayer, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like uh like you said, not being preachy in it, but just mm-hmm. loving you know when you're praying for a family who's lost a loved one and is hurting that mm-hmm. it comes out as we care about these people and god we we know you do too, mm-hmm, and so yeah. give them a mm-hmm. hope, give them peace, yeah, I mm-hmm. think not even
2: uh you know you were talking more in terms of imitating the um, the attitude, the heart, and the prayer, but also, like, and I think our church does a great job at this. I've been contacted numerous times by people after Sunday, like, throughout the week that have told me, it's like, hey, the, the prayer request that you mentioned on Sunday, or what we prayed about on Sunday as a church, I've been thinking this, and, like, what if I do that? Like, it's clear, they have been thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. They have been praying about it, and so I I guess to answer your question, Mm -hmm. Spencer, part of my hope is that what we pray about on Sunday Mm. would only would kind of be, um, uh, almost like a, just a a prayer list update that Mm. you would get and that like you would pray about these things, Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the Mm -hmm. week. It would kind of let you know what you need to be focused on, what you need to be praying on yourself just to continue those prayers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think, uh, I think
3: it's a good reassure, if that's a word for people mm-hmm. throughout the week, uh, of the a reassurance of their confidence of God's promises for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You know, specifically, um, as sometimes there's a prayer of assurance of our pardon and just having that reassurance that, you know, God has forgiven us of mm-hmm. our sins. And just having that prayer, someone praying over the whole congregation, Mm -hmm. like what reassurance and confidence Mm -hmm. do they have knowing that each week they hear Mm -hmm. that their sins have been forgiven, you know, not, you know, once and for all, but they're, they're hearing it again Mm -hmm. and again, and being reminded of it. I I think that, and not just, not just assurance of pardon, you know, just be able to hear once again, you know, right about who God is, the character of God, even just, just, being reminded, being reassured of the confidence that they have mm. in God's promises.
0: It's beautiful. Thank you so much, um, guys, for uh, joining us together. Um, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it, and I hope it's been beneficial to uh, to you at home as you've listened. Um, we hope that it's uh, provoked thought, and uh, our goal is to encourage conversation. So we hope it's been encouraging to you. We look forward to seeing you back um, at church in uh, God's good timing. Um, we look forward to being back together, uh, but we trust God's taking care of you and uh, know we're thinking about you. We miss you. And uh, and yeah, we're ready to, to get back together whenever God and His providence opens that up for us. Um, again, I want to reemphasize the fact that if you have any questions, um, we would love to do a Q&A episode. You can send those to me at snow at mmbconline.org. I will answer them. I will get them. Um,
3: Spencer, what kind of questions can they be?
0: Just like anything or anything. just what we've talked about? Anything, okay. I guess. Um, yeah. I guess you could ask about the St. Louis Cardinals. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, send us some funny yeah, ones. Some, or, you know, what's your favorite TV show? There is no
1: baseball, so there,
0: there no is baseball be- doesn't exist. July, <laughs> July. <laughs> July. All that matters is October and November. Um, so yeah, please send us those questions and uh we would love to do a Q&A episode. Um thank you for listening very much. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye.